All right, it's John Reed. I'm joined by Brian Summer. We're a post-Acumatica uh, analyst event in Boston. We're here to talk about HR tech this time around and, and talent in general and some myths of talent, myths of hiring, and a bunch of stuff you want to blow up because you're getting ready to go to the HR tech conference in October. So we got to get you good and wound up so you can really let loose there. I, I think I'm already getting in... Uh wound up shape and i'm still a month or more away but you've already blown your stack once today so maybe we can get get it on audio for the second time so uh you got an h hbr uh article out in front of you that sort of lit a fire what's that all about well the article is titled uh talent why people quit their jobs and uh there's it also has a nice sidebar with it it's in the current i think issue of the harvard business review and when it when it talks about is we uh, things we all know about like why people leave and there are a lot of analytic tools in hr that help uh, predict who is maybe at risk for leaving an organization and so the big focus in hr analytic tools to predict attrition or retention issues what have you but when i read this article boy it really got my attention because these folks did a whole lot more uh, homework on it before i tell you what hbr's writer said um the current wave of technology looks at little signals like, oh, John Reed here has cashed in all of his stock options and he's used up all his vacation days and he's updated his LinkedIn profile six times this month when he didn't update it once mm. in the whole last you know year or two. Mm. That Those are the indicators that John might be actually thinking about leaving and going to look for true love elsewhere with another employer. Right. Now, that sounds great, but the problem with this is, is uh, and the article kind of points out to it, is even if you gave a job, an employment manager or executive that data point, like uh, somebody mm-hmm. here is at risk, what are they supposed to do with that knowledge? Because by the time yep. the analytic figured this out, it's too late. And what if I hate my manager? Oh, that's even worse. And, and my manager sits me down and say, hey, I know you've been... You know, blah, blah, blah. And Looking like, on LinkedIn and updating. I'm like, stuff. well, if you would quit, I'll stay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we all know that about two-thirds of the time, people quit their boss, not their uh, right. not their employer. Well, what the article was talking about and I thought was fantastic was that they did more root cause analysis. And they, they asked themselves, when do people start thinking about leaving their employer? Because that's what the analytics aren't getting right today. They're thinking they've already, by the time the analytics are looking at data, even in big data sources, people have already started like updating their resume and everything on LinkedIn. It's too late in most cases to, you know, do something about that or create an intervention. No, what they should be doing. What this article talked about, it says a lot of people get real introspective at key birthdays, like when you turn 30 and you got to look at yourself and go or turn 40 or 50, whatever it is. And you go, hmm, you know, I haven't really been the world beater star that I thought Mm. it was going to be when I joined this company. Funny how that works. And yeah, and uh, <laughs> and you decide I need to do something different. I need to get my my mm. act in gear and do something different about that. Wouldn't it be nice if a company and a management team or whatever, an HR group, actually knew like, oh, you're going to be turning 38. Maybe we should start having more conversations with you about your career. Where's it going? What kind of training you need? Where are we, where do we have you on the succession plan or the leadership development pipeline so that you went by the time you do turn, say 40, you're not worried about your career. You now see it's back on track. It's where it needs to be. Mm. So it was, it's kind of an intelligent career intervention then, right? 
Yeah, that's based. done maybe months, years in advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, before you're updating your profile. Correct. Before, yeah, it preempts that. That's and that's the problem with the HR analytics right now is they're looking at post facto data points. Mm. And that aren't going to probably result in a whole lot of change. It's probably going to creep out a bunch of people when their boss comes walking up and says, hey, I noticed five minutes ago you just updated your LinkedIn page again. We need to have a talk. Man, if somebody did that to me, I'd go, I think we need to go have a talk with the whatever uh, HR and in-house counsel because I think you're invading my privacy here. Uh, Anyway, that's a sidebar. And it ties into this other issue, which is that you know, there there's the so-called war for talent, but oftentimes it seems to me like the talent that companies want is within their grasp if they would just simply change certain policies or approaches. Right. Uh, you see it so many times. I mean, you uh, think, for example, oh, we got to have people on site Monday through Friday, thereby eliminating people who would have to work from home because they, they have a kid at home or whatever. Or, or even need to work one day a, a week at home or so, something. Like so yeah. tell me about yeah. recruiting software and how can we can we fix any of these problems? Or Well, I'd love to hear the recruiting vendors actually solve the war for talent. Because right now, their way of solving it is to process more resumes, to uh, to broaden the, the net wider with outside people to bring in. And they do. I think the technology that's out there right now is reprehensible in its limited scope and capability. Mm. And it's not doing anything to actually solve these war for talent problems. But you can do keyword searches on skills, which is great. Right. Mm. Um, you know, uh, uh, this stuff... This stuff just torques me off. Um, and I know, John, you were in the HR business and a prior oh, yeah. life, and and you would get this right away. I, I bet you haven't gotten an re- inbound request in ages where somebody wants you to get back into that business, have they? Nope. nope. It's dead in the water. And you know why? Because that information is probably on the bottom half of your resume. And most companies only look at what you're doing today. Right. And they assume that all people are one-dimensional beings, that they only have one role in life, and that is to do the current job they're currently doing for some other firm. And that is that is a horrible misuse and misunderstanding of what recruiting really should be all about. Recruiters and recruiting technology that was smart would look particularly at older workers. Like anybody who's like 35 or 40 years old and beyond has probably had two or three really meaty different roles in right. their career. Already. And they could do multiple different things if a company or recruiting technology was smart enough to go look and see what those are. But don't you think the root of that problem is that companies have given into the rules of the free agent economy and just figured, well, if I hired that experienced person you're describing, I will have to train them on this tool or that. And I don't want to do that because I want someone who can hit the ground running tomorrow. Like there's a lack of willingness to invest in the long term for employees right Isn't yeah that a well big part of the problem that there is that is a part of the uh, problem but uh, so how do we overcome that well first of all the companies have no choice but to develop talent and the mm-hmm. you know we don't do a service by calling this thing the war for talent because they're they're people they're not buying weapons or anything exactly. else okay What's really going on is there is a labor pool out there, and the smart companies find ways to capture the best people within that talent pool, and uh, they hang on to them as long as they possibly can. What uh, What's missing here 
is that um, companies seem to think that they have no responsibility to train or develop talent. And if that's the case, then they're, uh, they're almost doomed to always be short people and um, short skills. Um, and how does this impact older workers? Didn't you mention to me before we started taping that you think there's some age discrimination going on and some lack of ability to tap right. into that talent? Yeah, well, so there are HR, there will be vendors I will see at the show, and they sell like salary data. And guess what? A lot of the companies that buy that, they use that because they only want to hire people into roles who are going to be paid in the bottom half of the pay scale. Mm -hmm. Well, that almost by design means you're only going to get people who are like right out of school and are going to be starting entry level kind of roles. And yet they may have qualified people in their own firm or available from other companies or people who've done this job before, um, but they won't touch them because they may actually have to pay at the midpoint or slightly higher to get them into the company. Uh, the amount of age, you know, or the other thing is recruit, you've got recruiting technology and recruiters who only want to look like say on campuses for people mm -hmm. and uh, they won't look elsewhere and beyond that. It seems like the other issue with HR software is that a lot of times the, the software for handling contingent, labor is totally separate from the software for hand handling permanent hires. And also it's being handled one through procurement, one through HR, whereas people are going through much more fluid experiences in their jobs, right? Where, you know, I'm taking a perm job, I'm taking a contract, like we're more and more becoming flexible in how we work, but the software doesn't feel flexible to no, me. No, no, not at all. And there's no place, there's no place in most recruiting software for you to put down like the uh, the the entire universe of like skills and experiences you picked up along the way doing like all of these um, gigs or whatever. And even if you could stuff it in there, I mean, I've got a CV that's 27 pages long. Oh, Jesus. It's got every, I'm sure it has every buzzword in ERP brand name known to me. Every Toastmasters meeting you ever attended. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's got all that in there. And um and yet it won't, it won't do the job. No one's going to go wade through that. You know, we, d we've not taken the time to structure the recruiting process to actually find the mm. best talent. And, uh, and if I could just leave you with this one thought on this, when you ask me about companies that aren't willing to make investments or anything else, generally those are the kind of company that don't refer to human beings as people or employees. Right. They call them bodies or butts and seats. Headcount, baby. Yeah. And I find those terms offensive beyond belief, but it speaks volumes to the rather uninformed kind of way that with which they're approaching workforce issues. And it's one of the reasons why those are going to be the companies still carping and moaning about, oh, we still can't find their talent, you know, to fill their spots. Okay, last question. Do you think HR has a seat at the boardroom table? Because I'm under the impression generally that HR doesn't, the reason being that I'm not sure HR has really proven that it's a strategic asset to the business. My theory is if they can prove that and get a seat at the table, then a lot of good things will happen. Yeah, I don't know if it's a chicken and the egg thing, but... Uh there are some very strategic thinking and brilliant, like chief HR officers that I have run into in my life. There are also a whole bunch that are very tactical, mm -hmm. transactional kind of oriented people. 
if you want the seat at the executive committee, you have to walk in the room with something uh, of value to the committee itself, to the, your other peers on the executive team. In a preview, I will tell you, I did see a rather cool product. I got a pre-briefing on it just last week that will save chief HR officers not only a lot of time, but it synthesizes information about what are the strategic things they need to be bringing forward. Mm. And on that more positive note, I would tell you, there is something of value that I'll see a, uh, in a goodness perspective coming out of that show. All right. So for you beleaguered HR professionals listening, you do have a chance to turn this story, this narrative around. Brian still has faith. Um, man, I think HR tech vendors are really looking forward to talking to you, Brian. Um, <laughs> just as much as Acumatica had fun with you today. So that's going to be great. I mean, you make it sound like I'm bad news all the way around, but uh, no, man, it's uh, makes it interesting for everyone. So, and I'll look forward to your content. Good luck at the show. Thanks. Appreciate it, John.